Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 462. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. So your how was your birthday week? So you, you just had a birthday. Correct. Last week. And uh-huh. I have a birthday this week. Correct. Back to back. Back to back birthdays. So you had a, you had a good birthday? It was it was pretty nice. Gotta say. Oh. Got back from Dallas. I was sick. I'm sick still. But it's not COVID. It's like a, no, it's not COVID. But it's like a sinus infection. And mm. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It's from all those goddamn leaves. Ah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, hopefully uh, you'll have a speedy recovery. This week on the show, we're going to be reviewing Don't Worry Darling. So really, when you look at it, the, the birthday presents just keep on coming. Oh, buddy. <laughs> week after week. I mean, the birthday celebrations continue. Don't worry, oh, darling. Never ends. This is out now on HBO Max. We'll also be going over some of what I'm watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes. That'd be great. Let's go ahead and dive straight into our review. Again, we're talking about Don't Worry, Darling. This is directed by Olivia Wilde. I have a synopsis here. A 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. Now, I feel like for this one, we might have to do a bit of a spoiler discussion. I feel like we should just say that off the bat, because I also feel that the majority of people have probably seen this that are going to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. I think we're kind of late to the party. Mm, Yeah, we didn't see it in theaters. And it just dropped on HBO Max. So, yeah, I think we're going to we are going to talk about. About spoilers maybe we'll we'll sit maybe we can just save them for the end and then i'll i'll tag them on to the end of the episode so in case people don't want to hear any kind of spoilers we can give them the option because i think i think the spoilers are what it really comes down to in terms of this how this movie works yeah i mean at the end of the day everything kind of hinges on what's really happening in this movie and that's really kind of the make or break thing. And unfortunately for me, at least it, it yeah. broke it. <laughs> like, I, uh, yeah. I did not like, don't worry, darling. I found myself being terribly bored by it. And I also feel like this is just a movie that we've seen multiple times already. And I feel like it yeah. just didn't have anything new or interesting to say. Like, I, I think that the themes in this movie are always going to be relevant. They're kind of evergreen But I think that if you want to tell a story like this, the way that you go about it is really the key because, you know, it's just something we've seen many times before. Um, And this movie just feels like it's very derivative of things like Stepford Wives and just doesn't really add much to the conversation or it doesn't, and it doesn't really add anything new. And also like there were just a lot of weird dangling questions I had about the sp- oh, yeah. specific plot elements that just didn't make sense to me at all. A hundred percent. Yeah. So 
I take it you felt the same way. I can't imagine you were too into this movie. Would it, that would I think I would blow your mind if I just turned around and I was like, man, I completely disagree with you. This fucking thing just worked. This for movie me every slaps, level. bro. But uh, no, no, it didn't. Because a, I 100 percent agree with you. It it's well worn territory that we've seen in numerous films, which ultimately makes it like you say it all hinges on that twist i mean movies with twists kind of hinge on that twist anyways because you just built that in it's inherent but to start off with your you know the whole basis of your movie being this like utopian society like we know every single utopian society movie or you know community whatever that they're living in you're always just like well something's not right mm-hmm. now i'm just waiting to see what's not right, right. so i'm just waiting and I'm just like, okay, it's kind of like the 50s. Okay. And it's just, it wasn't, there wasn't much to it. Like, it never built, it never built up that. It's just kind of like, hey, all right, we're just waiting around until they finally decide to tell us what, what's actually happening. Because we all know from the outset that something else is happening. Right. Yeah, and it can only go one of several ways. Now, I will say that I predicted most of what the actual reveal was uh, very early on. Just, it, it was kind of a guess, but at the same time, like, I just had a feeling that it was going to be that, and it was. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that, that was just kind of disappointing overall. And also, this movie has a lot of that trope that I really despise, yeah, where... Is she crazy? Is she not? What's going on? Because, like, you know, she starts to see things and have these visions and stuff like that. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. And everybody in the town thinks that she's, like, going batty. She's suffering from a bout of hysteria. Yep. Yes, sir. Those those women uh, and severe exhaustion. Those uh, Mm -hmm. women's problems that they had back in the 50s. Yeah, from doing everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, like I don't I don't want to dismiss the themes in this movie because I do think that they're they're obviously very valid and I think that especially recently with like a lot of the stuff that's been going on trends on the internet with like alpha males and all that bullshit like I think that this movie it does resonate but it's just, I feel like it's very, it just goes about everything in a, in a, just a not, not a very interesting way. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, it's a very just basic approach, I think. And I think that that's the, one of the, if I go deeper with this movie that it bothers me a little bit more is it seems like what Wilde is trying to say is, is she's not sure. Mm. Because it, when you get into the nitty gritty of it, of like how the world works and everything, it's just like I can see justifications or how things could be explained, but then that makes the potential point that you're trying to make even worse. Like, like you're you completely miss the mark. And I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about spoilers. But it just seems like the actual messaging behind this is just a muddled mess. Yeah, I think that that. Wasn't this movie kind of plagued with like issues, editing and stuff like that? I know there's all kinds of like 
drama, like cast and crew drama. Yeah. But I don't know if there was more going on behind the scenes, but like as far as what was going on in the editing room, but man, it's, it's a very messy movie and it just doesn't, doesn't work, man. Like it looks good. I I love the fifties aesthetic. Of course, any movie that takes place in the the fifties, I love it. But that's the thing is they, they nail that. Olivia Wilde and company nail just like the look of it. Like the aesthetic is great. It's a slick looking movie. Soundtrack's good. Yeah. Like everything about it, like, you know, the, some of the performances are a little in it. Yeah, but Harry Styles part, is a little meh. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the dis. I don't, just bizarre. I'd like, I'd like a full, like, special feature of just the thought process of his character. <laughs> this is the, that's like the main thing I want to know. He's like a cardboard box. That character, that character. That's just what he reminds me of. The so, whole he's so like, empty. Yeah, that and then just the whole, like, the accent thing. I'm just very intrigued. What the thought process was, what they were trying to achieve, a number of things. But that's the thing. It's like, it's a very slick looking movie. It's, it, looks, it looks expensive. It does. It looks very expensive. Very good production design. I liked the, the look of the neighborhood and the little, like, mall or whatever, they, where they go. But it's just all in service to nothing. Nothing, yeah. Yep. Okay, well, I think that... I think that we need to talk about some spoilers, so... Yeah, because there's not much else to talk about when it comes to this movie. If you want to hear spoilers, just just keep listening to to the end of the show. We'll put it after the the end. So, in case you haven't seen the movie yet, you want to see it, you don't want it spoiled, just... You can not... Not have it spoiled. Let's go ahead and give Don't Worry Darling a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it out of 10? I'm going to give it like a three and a half. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at like a three. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just not feeling it. I was just not feeling it. At any rate, again, it's on HBO Max if you want to watch it. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I believe it is your turn this week, Kevin. What you got? Can you remember the last episode that we did? No. I talk about Soul Survivor. N- no, uh, you didn't because I saw it on your watch list or your uh, your diary, and I watched it yeah. too because I oh yeah I looked at it and I was like oh man that that looks like something I'd be into so I watched it also. Okay, well let's talk about that because t- Tom Everhart, the guy that did the the second Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the the proto Final Destination type, and and he also thing. did Captain Ron. Yes, he also did Captain Ron. Oh, that's I think they're a trilogy. These three movies. This is from 1984, Soul Survivor. What were your thoughts on Soul Survivor? I had a blast with this movie. I I thought it was, this movie's fucking good. It's so it, good. It's it's a really it's like a cross between Final Destination and It Follows. Yeah, that's what it it's is. Nuts. It's crazy that I'm just now seeing this movie and learning about this movie because I wasn't even familiar with this movie until I saw it on your list. So yeah, I can't it, even remember where I read about this to watch it. I mean, it's very clearly 
like this movie had to be inspiration, at least somewhat for final destination, but also, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely felt like I was getting very strong. It follows vibes. Oh yeah. Cause what well, it's gotta be final destination. I mean that much alone because the, the idea of Soul Survivor the is same. there's a woman. The woman, the woman survives a plane crash. She's the only one that survives, right? And which the, the this movie, the way that it's shot is just so unsettling. Mm. Just the, like that airplane crash scene where you know it's just kind of really scanning like all the wreckage, mm-hmm. you know, mutilated bodies, legs missing, people torn in half and shit, and then it's just her sitting. In a row of seats. Just yeah. there's so much of that where it's like the the filming of certain things is just impeccable. It's just so unsettling. So you have that, like that's Final Destination, almost. Yeah, and then because she got away from death, death comes after her. The only difference here is that it's like in the form of dead people. Like death yes. inhabits other people who have died. One of the things I didn't really get though, was why all of those other people got killed. Like it sucks for them basically just being at the wrong place, at the wrong time, just being in this woman's orbit gets them killed. Yes. Yeah, it is. It does seem like death is, it seems like he could be more efficient. I mean, I guess he's like, well, okay, this person didn't die. So what I'm going to do is kill them. And any single person that knows about it. Yeah. Just just focus on the one thing. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's like killing all the, of these other people to like try to get at her in a, in a more efficient way, but it's kind of weird. It really, really just sucks for a lot of those people, like the doctor and the, the neighbor girl. (laughs) Like they just, yeah, man, unfortunate. But I gotta say it's one shutter. And now I've two for two on top Everhard movies, and both of them are fucking great. Also, so. I liked how this ended. Like they didn't. Oh yeah. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't fuck around with the ending here. No, uh-uh. not at all. Tom Everhart, he 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 did Nightmare on Elm Street. The the second right the second one was that Tom Everhart? Pretty sure, or am I thinking of a different movie that he did? He did Night of the Comet, which if you haven't seen Night of the Comet, have you seen Night of the Comet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You saw it. I see that. I love that movie. Uh, No, he didn't. Who's the one that did that? Because I watched their other movie, too. Oh, they're the one that did The Hidden. The Hidden, yeah. yeah. See, I'm getting the movies confused. That's why I thought I talked about it before, because I'm getting it confused with The Hidden. Yeah. Jack Shoulder is the guy that. That's right. That's right. The second Nightmare on Elm Street and the Hidden. There we go. Got it figured out. Huh. Uh. All right. Well, st- sticking with the '80s horror uh, theme here, I saw one. I saw one by Gorman Bichard called "Psychos in Love." Uh huh. From 1987. This is a. Uh, this is a shot on video SOV movie that is um, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on with this movie. It was supposed, it felt like it was supposed to be sort of a dark comedy. Cause it, there was a lot of like, 
kind of goofy stuff, but at the same time, it was tonally just really kind of off because it was about these two serial killers who fall in love with each other. But like part of the movie is kind of shot like a documentary. Like they break the fourth wall. There's like confessional style interviews with them at certain times. And it's just, it's weird, man. But I, I enjoyed it overall. I think it was, uh, it was kind of fun. And I saw this on YouTube, uh, that I was able to find it on YouTube. Of course. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very like, it's very low budget. It's weird. I I don't, I don't know how to, how else to describe it. It's just worth a, worth a look. I would say just because it's on YouTube, you know, watch like the first 10 minutes of it, see if it's your thing. But uh, yeah, that's psychos in love. Interesting. Uh, I guess I'll keep with the the older horror movies. This is from the 70s, 1977, to be precise. Michael Winner's The Sentinel. Oh. So this is kind of like a kind of like a Rosemary's Baby knockoff, but not entirely. Uh, it's about a a model uh, played by Christina Raines, who is. It seems like she's about to get married to Chris Sarandon. But she's like, ah, I want to give it my own place. So she finds her own apartment just to, it's just so she has somewhere to go to. So she finds this apartment building. Of course, it seems too good to be true. She finds out that maybe it is. Because there's all these weird people living there. And they're creeping her out. And they're just fucking weirdos. She doesn't like it. So she goes to the landlord. She's like, these people are driving me crazy. Can you do something? And of course, that's when she gets hit with the, hey, no one's been living there for five years. And she's like, oh, shit. Except for one other guy. There's a priest that lives on the top floor. He's like blind and deaf, but he's been there forever. But, you know, he's not doing anything. So she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And it's one of the things that I thoroughly enjoy in a horror movie. And that's Catholic conspiracies. Mm-hmm. I love a good Catholic conspiracy that, uh, you know, supernatural stuff with demons and devils and that kind of thing. And uh, the only thing I can say is that it's slightly disappointing because it's not as gory or unsettling that I thought it was going to be. It's more of like a procedural type film. There are like one or two spots where it's a little bit creepy and they do some good effects work. But other than that, but like the story itself, like when you start thinking about like what what happens and what it means and everything. It's kind of, it's kind of a fucked up thing, especially with the way it ends, mm. but it's a point. It's like a light recommend for me. If that's really your jam, you know, that type of thing. And of course it's got a bunch of people in it. Like Chris Sarandon, you got Jerry Orbach, like a young, he's like 30 years old in this. He's got a mustache, full head of hair. You got, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Christopher Walken plays like a detective that, doesn't really do anything or say anything. He's just there. <laughs> mm. So it's a light recommend. All right. That's the Sentinel. Um, the, the last one I'll mention is uh, Mandrake. This came out uh, this past week. It's directed by Lynn 
Davison. Uh, this is on Shutter. So this is a it's an Irish uh, sort of a folk horror movie. Uh, it's sort of in the same vein as Kill List or one of one of those other ones that kind of straddles the genre of like crime thriller and horror. And it, so it involves a, uh, a woman who's a, a, a probation officer and she's assigned this, uh, this new person who was suspected of being a, a witch and she killed her husband and she just got out of prison and right when she gets out of prison, these two children go missing in the in the woods near the lady's house. And it it sparks up a lot of like theories about, you know, did, the, did this woman have something to do with the disappearance? But then some pretty major revelations happen. Things start to get violent. Things start to get a little weird, a little bit surreal, not too mm-hmm. surreal. Uh, and uh, yeah, overall, it's decent, but it's like kind of straight down the middle for me. Like there wasn't really a lot here that that I felt was n- bringing something new to the table. I liked the characters, but the overall narrative was just like it was just meh. Unfortunately, it was just kind of forgettable. So I can't really recommend Mandrake, but if you're looking for a new full car, it is on Shutter. Uh, okay. The only other two things I have, one is going to be real short. That's it, the See How They Run from this year, directed by Tom George. Longest time I thought this was the David O. Russell film. Yeah, they kind of look the same. They do. They kind of do. This is a throwback 1950s kind of uh, Agatha Christie whodunit type thing. Mm-hmm. Agatha Christie's actually a character in this movie. Um, so I enjoy those. I'm a big fan of whodunits. Oh, yeah. The only, the only problem with this, and the other thing I'm a big fan of, Sam Rockwell. The only thing that's disappointing about this one is the whodunit is not that great. Not that great of a mystery. Sam Rockwell's not really doing it. He's doing like a an English accent, which is oh no, interesting. I don't know why, but I, I mean, I guess he has to because it's in fifties London. But and it, the nice thing is he doesn't go crazy with it. Mm. But the problem is, is his character is like so like muted because he's kind of like a sad sack type guy. So you're just kind of like, well, I'm here for Sam Rockwell, and this is not the Rockwell that I want. This is the sad sack Rockwell, and that's not a fun guy. I don't want to be with him. So that's a disappointment. And the the biggest thing for me is that, like this movie just tries to be way too clever. Like it at the beginning it's kind of telling you exactly how who done its workout and of course the movie works out exactly the way that it it's telling you that it's going to and then throughout the the movie they'll be talking about cuz they're trying to turn a play into a movie. And they're like, "Oh, well, we want to change the play that the ending's like this. It's a big shootout." Da 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 da. And you're just sitting there thinking, well, I know that that's how the movie's going to end. Because, you know, you're trying to be quote-unquote clever. So, of course, when the ending comes, it's exactly what they said it was going to be. So it's like, it's constantly telling you what the movie's going to do. 
like as it's doing it and it's just like this isn't fun really like you're kind of ruining the movie for me it's like you're reading the wikipedia page to me as i'm trying to watch it (laughs) but you're the movie and you're doing it like stop and it's just they fully committed to that and it just it got irritating after a while uh the only other thing that i I watched is i finally got around to watching superior the the full-length debut from aaron vasilopoulos who did a short film called superior back in like 2015 or something like that that i thoroughly enjoyed finally got around to seeing it fleshed out into a debut film feature length this is on criterion channel and i really dug this one this was just like operating on all all the modes that i wanted it to for whatever mood i was in that at that moment that we just clicked because i love the music i love the cinematography the overall tone and atmosphere of it just everything about it i thoroughly enjoyed i liked this one too i saw this a while ago and i i just i really loved the uh just the look, man. The aesthetic, this like kind yeah. of eighties, like it looks so good. It's yeah. one of those movies, like in terms of visually how it looks. I, it's refreshing. There's not a lot of people making movies like this. Was it? Was it shot on sixteen millimeter? I mean, it looks. If I remember correctly, it was like. Pretty sure it was shot on film, but it, yeah. I'm not sure. Whatever it's shot on looks beautiful. Great use of slow motion. The music throughout is incredible. I love the story of these two twins. One twin sister comes back home because she's kind of like on the run. And then they kind of switch places to, you know, just switch things up to make their lives easier. And then, of course, that comes with its own set of ramifications. And it just it kind of has like a mystery aspect to it, thriller aspect to it. But not really. It's not fully in that in that vein. But just like a light toe touch into it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Confirmed 16 millimeter. Oh, yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. Lots of, lots, lots of really nice, deep colors in this. A lot of reds. Love it. Love that look. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got She Said. I think that's a... Is that that a Harvey Weinstein thing, I think? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, And then we also have The Menu, which I'm actually kind of interested in this one. This is the one with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt and uh, Ray Fiennes. Mm -hmm. You interested in this one? Uh, Slightly. Yeah. Interest. Yeah, not a huge. No, I'm not like chomping at the bit to see it, but I'm I'm curious. On VOD this week, let's see. On the 14th, we have Stutz, which is going to be on Netflix. That's the one. Uh, that's the documentary directed by Jonah Hill. And we have uh, on the 15th, we have Christmas in Paradise. This is this is sure to be a new holiday classic starring Kelsey Grammer, Elizabeth Hurley, and Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh. You know what's interesting is that Elizabeth Hurley is in Christmas in Paradise, which is coming out okay. th- this week. And then in like 
three weeks, she's in a movie called Christmas in the Caribbean. She's having Christmas everywhere. Yeah. She's she's loving these tropical Christmases. She must be. She keeps doing them. Uh, on the 16th, we have The Wonder on Netflix. I, didn't, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Stutz is going to be on Netflix also. Yeah, you started with Stutz. You just wanted to say Stutz again. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't know if I had mentioned the Netflix thing. Ah, gotcha. The Wonder uh is a it's a it's a period piece with uh Florence Pugh and it's a, about a uh a, a girl who is does not she doesn't have to eat. So she's not eaten in 4 months. And Florence Pugh is brought in to examine her for 15 days. Could be interesting. I don't know. Never know until you watch it. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. On the 17th, on the 17th, we have Christmas with you on Netflix. Yes. Get ready. Get ready for the Christmas glut coming out. It's coming. This is this is one with uh, Freddie Prince Jr., I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also on the 17th, we have I Am Vanessa Gillen, which I believe is a documentary. And then on the 18th, we have Missing. This is a South Korean thriller, crime thriller. This This might be what I suggest f- that we cover for next week. We have Bell and Sebastian, The Adventures Continue, uh, Elephant Refugees, Fisherman's Friend, One and All, which is a sequel to the the hit Fisherman's Friend. Oh, of course. Of course. Did you ever have Fisherman's Friend throat lozenges? I'm pretty sure. Because they're they're the best. You got a tickle on your throat? Grab some Fisherman's Friends. Is that I have one. I have one right now. Not oh, oh a tickle? No, I got a tickle, buddy. Oh man. You gotta get yourself some fisherman's friends. And also Fisherman's Friends is available on Tubi. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Also on the eighteenth we have Mickey, the story of a mouse on Disney Plus. Hmm. By the looks of it, that's mouse. a documentary about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> okay. We also have Bad Axe. That is a, also a documentary. We got The Last Manhunt. That looks to be a... I was going to say a Saban Films. It doesn't look like it is a Saban Films, but it's a Western with uh, Jason Momoa. On Blu-ray this week, we have Reservoir Dogs coming out in 4K. We got Death Game from 1977. Wayne's World is coming out in 4K. Uh-huh. Used Cars from 1980, also getting a 4K release. Pearl is coming out. Uh, an Elvis movie, Blue Hawaii, that's coming out in 4K. 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, I would recommend that if you haven't seen that yet. Light recommend from me. Jeepers Creepers Reborn. I don't think that that is directed by Victor Salva. At least I don't. I hope it's not. <laughs> It's not. Uh, hopefully not. It's not. Uh, R.I.P.D. 2. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rise of the Damned. Yeah. I mean, the first R.I.P.D. didn't do well. I, like, well is, I think, 
giving too much credit. I don't like, think to not do well. Like it did terribly, didn't it? I thought it did like horrible. That's I know it got horrible reviews. I'm not sure what it did like money wise, but somehow it got a sequel. Right. You know, I was thinking out. Uh, so just a little spoiler for this month's Saved by the Nineties. We're watching Air Force One and. I thought, why don't they make an Air Force 2? It seems perfect for like a straight-to-DVD thing. You call it Uh Air Force 2, and it takes place on Air Force 2, you know, the helicopter. Yeah. Perfect. There you go. I mean, that movie writes itself right there. Oh, yeah. And you know someone's getting thrown into those blades. Absolutely. Come on. Maybe more than one. Maybe at least two. <laughs> what if it's like five people get thrown into the blades <laughs> just over and just over? <laughs> just people just getting that. chopped up by the blades over and it's over. It's not again. even like a thriller or anything. It's more like a, a series <laughs> of mishaps where people keep falling into the helicopter <laughs> blades. There you go. Somebody, whoever made, I don't know what studio put out Air Force One because I haven't watched it yet, but whoever did. Air Force Two, let's make it happen. You could set up a GoFundMe or something to get that made. Uh, all right, we also have Jerry and Marge Go Large. That was a fun, light little comedy. The Inhabitant, um, Black Snake Moan is getting a new release. Airplane Two, the sequel. And that's pretty much it, other than Christmas in Paradise, of course. Uh, what's, uh, what do we got on Criterions this week? We got one. That's it. But it's, you know, kind of a box set here. The Infernal Affairs trilogy. Getting all, you can get all three of them in one box. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with this, uh, the, the movie The Departed was a remake of the first Infernal Affairs. Correct. So if you liked The Departed, maybe you should check out the original because it's quite good too. Yes. Not going to say it's better or worse than The Departed, but uh, it's it's uh, still really good. Hell yeah. 100%. I haven't seen, I, I didn't see part two or three. At least I don't remember seeing part two or three. Oh, it's been so long. Yeah, like. Yeah, I just I don't remember seeing this the sequels. Maybe I did. I don't know. Cool. Well, definitely check that out. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Reichstraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. All right, let's talk about some spoilers for Don't Worry Darling. I guess the the first question I have, and maybe it's because I was kind of zoning out by the time this happened, was the the whole plane crash thing? Like what what is uh-huh. what what is that? Yeah, I don't know. The only, I thought I missed something. I feel like we did miss something, but the, I don't know if it got like edited out, right? Cuz the only thing I can think of is Kiki Lane's character character is always holding that like red plane yeah that i guess her kid had so i don't know how that ties into it but it also it just leads me to my number one question with this world that they've created is how do you allow a plane crash to happen 
Yeah. In that you like, I'm going to have a plane crash right by the thing that I don't want anyone to go to except for a group of people that know to go to it. Like, like, was it, was it like a message? Was it something that was supposed to be directed at Florence Pugh's character where like it was trying to guide her to, to that? That's the only thing I can think of is two things is somehow Kiki Lane got back in and was able to, you know, like hacked in or whatever and created a plane crash to get her to, you know, go down that path, so to speak. Or second, Chris Pine was getting bored and just wanted to, like, exert some more power over the one person that was, like, had a chance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the Kiki Lane thing, I guess, makes sense because she knew that Alice went to the... uh, the edge or whatever the facility but that was like kind of the one thing where i'm like Meh. and it's like in the poster too like it's a it seems to be like a big thing yeah but i don't because there's just so many questions that i have is like the hub you know the yeah. headquarters or whatever that no one's allowed to go to except for the men why why put it somewhere prominent that you can see like why like why not hide it somewhere yeah, why not, not make it just a, like why why make it a, a very like obvious looking building in the middle of the desert? Why not just make it like a rock? <laughs> like yeah, it's just a plain I mean, rock like, somewhere. And why have it? Why is it, the only thing that I can think of? Because one of the things that my wife said, she was like, "Why isn't the world just bigger? Like, why is the neighborhood so small? Like, you make this super small town, and then there's an obvious like headquarters." right there that's like up on a pedestal and the only thing i think of is like i guess maybe he doesn't have the bandwidth or like the server capacity well, i don't even know or, why you would but, need why would you even need anything there you know what i mean like if it's supposed to be this like metaverse type thing couldn't you just have the men drive out into the middle of the desert and log out you know <laughs> like yeah. why does it have to be something that's like physically represented in the world to begin with. That's what I mean. And, and the only thing I can think, and this is where it gets into trying to parse the messaging of this movie. Because the only thing that I can think of to justify it is, okay, you have, obviously Chris Pine plays kind of like a Jordan Peterson or one of those types of like alpha male, mm-hmm. you know, one of those types, right? Oh, yeah. And he's created this world and he has his followers and everything. His little podcast. Yeah, his little podcast. Yeah, podcast. And he has that are you know smashing that like button i guess and so he and his and his bros i guess are creating the world which there can be your justification of like okay there's a little dig of men trying to you know create something very large and you know the logistics of everything and all the planning which usually doesn't go well so that could be a justification but you undermine your what you're trying the fact that like the women can't figure it out yeah so it ends up making them look even worse but that well that's actually that leads me to another question that i had in that how many women did know what was going on here because we know the kiki lane knew olivia wilde knew also she chose to go in there yeah we i guess uh chris chris pine's wife in this played by Gemma chan she, yeah she i guess no 
I guess she knew, considering the fact that she just randomly kills him at the end. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, just like, you know what? This is mine now. <laughs> like, uh, that's that was kind of something uh, that that seemed to happen out of nowhere for no apparent reason. And and it seemed like, you know, after this the scene when when Alice kills Jack, it seemed like, and she was like outside. And all the women were kind of like looking at her. It seemed like they were kind of figuring it out or something, but it was never clear yeah. like who, yeah. if they all knew or if none of them knew or were they even real? Were all of them even real? Cause you know, the, the children apparently were not real. And there's just, it, there's way too many like dangling questions. Like when you open up something like that, especially at the end, when you do the reveal, there's just, there's just entirely too many like logistical questions that are raised. And I get that. Like these are nitpicks that like, you shouldn't really think about because it's over because it's overshadowing the, the larger themes. But at the same time, there's so many of them that you're just like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, is that some of the logistics of it, like, yeah, you can justify them as nitpicks or whatever, but the logistics of it do play into the messaging. Like they're kind of linked. Yeah. You can't, you can't untangle them. So to just drop it at the end where to me, it was like, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting to find out what the twist is. Cause I know the utopia, the utopia is never a utopia. And it's, you know, we've seen a couple of films like this before. So, you know, something's off right off the bat. You're just waiting around. And then they finally tell you, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, because it's just like all these other films, but we just updated it to the current times with current technology. So, yeah, bravo, good idea. You just took a movie and updated it for the time. (laughs) Gotcha. You know, and then it just ends, and you're like, okay, well, you really didn't explain that much of it. Yeah. Yeah, very disappointing overall. I think that there's just not enough here like it just wasn't it's too many questions. Well, yeah and there's just there's so much more to it as like why do you actually need a per like why can't harry styles just you know log in or jack in or whatever and then just have a fake woman there like you can make fake kids make a fake woman there you go and then you don't have to pay for two people to have it that's just <laughs> bad money management well i guess I guess the whole thing is like the the whole the dominance yeah. factor is like I, I want my wife to be, have dinner ready when I get home, but 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 it's not good enough to just have a fake wife. You want to actually control yeah, your, your real wife. Very true. She's, but if it, I, it seems like you should be able to, I think like one of the fatal flaws of this. The whole concept is maybe don't make your characters be able to be killed in the world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, why? Why is that a thing? If they die in the <laughs> world, they die in real life. Like, yeah, it's like the Matrix or something. It's actually, it's exactly like the Matrix. I uh, the thing that I predicted was that it was set, that it was in modern that it was modern day because yeah. like immediately when when they showed how like insulated this this community is like out in the middle of the desert and stuff i was like oh, i bet this is modern day yeah. oh we got a yeah a village a village situation yeah. going on here 
Yeah, and I also found just in like a, a filmmaking aspect, the like the half remembered flashback type thing that was that was kind of irritating. So it just kind of kept happening throughout, and they really didn't add anything. Like I already know if something's up. Yeah, you don't well, need to keep giving me. And a lot of it was just repeated. That goes along with the whole is she crazy trope that I can't stand at this point. So. Yeah, that didn't work for me either. All right, anything? Any other spoilers you want to talk about with this? I mean, there uh, were there were no. some cool like little set pieces, like the scene when the wall smashes into the like pushes her into the glass and stuff. Like there mm-hmm. were a couple things, but like they didn't they didn't really like it. Almost felt like they were just there to like for no reason, just to to, to have a something happen. Yeah. And I, I, I'm far more interested to see, too, like in terms of how this world works and how they exert control. And it is like, how is there not one woman that says, you know, I don't want to do this anymore? Like, because they kind of show that Florence Pugh's kind of you know, getting the whole, like, oh, she's being suffocated and we're going to show you because she's going to wrap saran wrap around her head. Mm-hmm. To you know, to get the point across, like what happens if if they just try know, to viewers? Yeah, they're just like, just you know what? I'm not going to cook. Yeah, I'm not going to cook today. Let's order takeout. There's no takeout though. It seems like nope. But like, what happens then? Like, how do they get them back in line? I guess to- it's it's like what happened to her, where they do something. They like do some electroshock or whatever. Yeah, but like the. It's like Olivia Wilde just knows, like, oh, electroshock was the thing in the 50s, but you don't come out of electroshock just being like, oh, I'm completely normal and I just want to do things now. Yeah, I want to be a submissive wife now. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Like, you just, like, you're not a person anymore if it's done too many times. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate what this movie is going for. I just think it missed the mark. It's just, it's just a bit of a mess. Which is a shame because I like Olivia Wilde. I like Chris Pine. I like Florence Pugh. I like Kiki Lanes and Nick Kroll's in here. I like him. And I do got to say, you know, talking about like utopian communities or whatever, you know, where like this is in paradise. I like those movies. Mm-hmm. Even though when I know something's up, I still like those movies. It's, so do I. I just, yeah. I like the idea of it. Yeah. Same here. 